What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hi, I'm Snigda Sharma and you're listening to Three Things, the Indian Express news show. In this episode, we discuss the extent of COVID-19 spread in the country, especially in rural India, along with the gruesome discovery of close to 100 dead bodies floating in the river Ganga. Apart from this, we also discuss the Allahabad High Court's observations regarding COVID management, including the failure of the Election Commission and the government to fathom the risk of holding elections in the country. And we also go over details of the letter to the Prime Minister from opposition leaders. While most of us are aware that one of the main reasons behind the massive second wave of the pandemic in India is the fact that the virus, this time around, has found its way into the country's rural areas. Recently released data by the government has, in fact, painted a grim picture of the extent of infection in India. More than 75% of the country's districts have reported more than a 10% positivity rate. And to add to the troubles, while the virus is showing an upward curve, the country's vaccination drive is seeing a steady decline, mainly due to the shortage of vaccine doses. To get a clearer picture of the situation, Indian Express's Conan Sheriff joined the show. Conan, if you can begin by telling us what are the recent findings of the government regarding the extent of the spread of COVID-19 in India. So, as you know, India has right now around 37 lakh uh, active cases across the country. The latest data uh, flagged by the health ministry says that 533 districts out of the 700 plus districts uh, are now reporting a positivity rate of over 10%. So why is it discomforting is the fact because uh, anything above 10% uh, is considered now as alarming. In fact, uh, in April 24th, the health ministry and later uh, the Ministry of uh, Home Affairs has said that uh, every district that is reporting more than uh, 10% positivity have to implement strict containment measures. In fact, uh, implement uh, night curfews and uh, stop uh, public uh, transport. So... Uh, basically, what we are seeing right now is the fact that the spread is wide and it, it is across the country, including the majority of rural districts. Uh, in the first wave, uh, which we experienced last year in September, we saw that um, maximum positivity which was reported basically in urban clusters, mainly in capitals of the state. And we had very few cities, tier two cities. But now it's not just the tier two cities and not the capitals, but it is spread across uh, the country and in the rural areas. The significance uh, of this data is the fact that we have very little or limited uh, health infrastructure in terms of oxygen beds, in terms of doctors in a rural part of the country. So therefore, we need to have a very different strategy this time around uh, to tackle the pandemic because now we are seeing the virus traveling to the rural districts. 533 is a big number. In fact, more than 300 of them have positivity of over 20%, So, which means that... Uh, out of every 10 person who are testing, two persons are turning positive in these districts. And this you should understand in the backdrop of the fact that there is very limited RT-PCR testing in these districts. So this number could be even even higher. Right. 
So, Conan, talking about testing, Dr. Balram Bhargav of the Indian Council of Medical Research recently gave new directions when it comes to testing. Uh, can you shed some light on what exactly he said? So, one of the key strategies to break the chain of transmission of an infectious uh, disease like the coronavirus is to first chase the virus. So, to chase the virus, all we have to do is actually test both people who are symptomatic as well as uh, their contacts or in containment areas where you find cluster of cases testing positive. So the strategy of the government earlier was that uh, they had told that 80% of the tests had to be RT-PCR, which is the gold standard for COVID-19 infection testing. Why? Because uh, there are very few false negatives that you will come in RT-PCR tests because the sensitivity of the test is very, very good. So that's why it's considered as a gold standard. However, India also uses what is called as a rapid antigen test where there is more chances of false negative. But now since the infection is spread and there's a community transmission of levels that we are seeing right now, and the second fact that in most of these districts, you don't have RT-PCR testing laboratories. You need to understand that RT-PCR testing laboratories uh, are very specialized labs which need a certain sort of what we call as biosafety levels. There's, there's a core of investment that has to go into setting up of these labs. And we have very limited labs considering now we have positive rate of 10% in 533 districts. So you can't set up RT-PCR labs in so many districts or neither can you deploy mobile RT-PCR labs. So the only way to break the chain of transmission and do mass testing is by using the rapid antigen test. So India on a daily basis has the capacity of around 18 lakh rapid antigen tests. So you could conduct that. This is beyond what around 16 to 15 lakh uh, capacity of RT-PCR tests. So what Bhargav is saying that this wave, what he's calling second wave is raging. We need to also now start deploying the rapid antigen test. Specifically in rural areas, there's very limited access to testing and that you have to use it. In RT-PCR, you need specialized labs, but in rapid antigen, you can do it anywhere. So he's saying that we have to utilize schools, we have to utilize community centers and do testing in these clusters which are reporting high positivity. And uh, when we start doing it, maybe the numbers would be much higher and through testing, we could then start isolating positive contacts at a faster pace so that the virus does not travel and infect the most vulnerable section uh, because now we are also seeing very high number of mortality in uh, rural India. So clinical management also can be done earlier that you could then send them to district headquarters hospitals. You can refer them faster. So testing is where it all begins. So if you have efficient testing, only then you can actually track the virus as well as reduce the mortality by giving uh, clinical management at a much efficient pace. So, uh, Conan, which are the worst hit areas in the country uh, according to this new data released by the government? Like you know, right now, Karnataka is the worst hit state. It has around 6 lakh active cases and then you have Bombay is doing well, Pune is doing well, but the other parts of Maharashtra is still really bad. Maharashtra has around more than 5.6 lakh cases. Then you have Uttar Pradesh. But the big concern states in terms of high positivity rate, you have Madhya Pradesh, you have West Bengal, you have Tamil Nadu, Andhra Pradesh. Tamil Nadu and Andhra Pradesh were not hit in the mid-April and now they are starting to show high positivity rate. Andhra Pradesh, in fact, has approximately 2 lakh cases. Now we are also seeing the Odisha is showing some sort of a big surge right now. And uh, in certain districts in Northeast, also we are seeing now surge uh, are showing more than 20% uh, positivity uh, 
in industries like arunachal pradesh and etc so like it's mimicking what happened in the first wave it started with western part of the country and then you had the virus traveling to northern part of the country where you saw delhi punjab and then it moved to uttar pradesh bihar and also now you're seeing southern and eastern states showing a big surge so basically it's traveling everywhere positivity rate is higher in fact the national positivity rate also is around 24% so that means that it's alarming right now and if we actually test even higher that that number could be much 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 higher so right now it is a national wave and there are very few indications that uh, the surge is coming down because it, it is high spread community transmission as of now right um now considering that we are seeing a massive spread of the disease even in rural areas how is the country's vaccination drive progressing before i start we need to understand that from may 1st india changed its uh, vaccination policy so 50% of the doses are given by the central government to the states to administer vaccines to three groups which is the healthcare workers the frontline workers and those above the age of 45 the remaining 50% will be made available in the open market and state governments and the private hospitals have to procure directly from the manufacturers to vaccinate those above the age of 18 to 44 so that has changed and from may 1st onwards when we tracked these surge districts especially those above uh, 20% we found that approximately 7 out of 10 districts reporting a positivity rate of more than 10% in last one week have reported a steady decline in vaccination compared to the previous week where everything was provided by the center so the decentralization policy has in fact now started showing uh, a sense of vaccine inequity and uh, the fact that more than 67% uh, of this 305 districts are reporting now a decline so we also need to understand that 80 to 85% of these districts uh, are in the rural parts of the country so vaccine equity or the decline in vaccination is happening uh, majorly in rural parts of the country another important data that has emerged is the fact that there were 100 districts which have shown certain increase in vaccination but however even in this 40 to 45% of the increase happened in just two states which was delhi and haryana so clearly it indicates while there is an increase in vaccination in these districts but it is concentrated in a two states so which which have very high number of private hospitals so you can really see that this vaccination increase also is happening where there is a lot of concentration of private hospitals now why is this important it's important is because since now the virus is traveling through the rural parts of the country one of the strategies of the government right now is vaccination vaccination does two things first it is an important tool to break the chain of transmission and second is to reduce the mortality among the most vulnerable remember that uh, 80% of the deaths that are happening in the country are rather above the age of 45 that's why they prioritize the 45 age group so you need to start vaccinating across the country and not just concentrate at one point because you're seeing mutations happening so vaccination itself is a tool to reduce mutations it is also a tool to reduce mortality we have seen that people who got at least one of the doses are getting less severe form of infections and in fact uh, are not dying so it is very important to vaccinate and vaccinate equitably so that's the thing and it's not just like we are seeing a decline in fact 37 of the surge districts we saw more than 50% drops that's very alarming and three of these states showing very high active cases which is karnataka and maharashtra 
and the 50 to 40 percent drop we saw in as many as uh, 23 districts and uh, you had uh, big uh, metropolitan cities like pune amritsar chennai ernakulam in kerala all of these are big metropolitan cities you're, you're seeing a decline even in this urban centers these are alarming signs that uh, the decentralization has really not worked Now that we understand to some extent the degree to which the virus has entered rural areas across the country this time, let us discuss a recent ghastly incident that reminded us how dire the situation actually is. On Monday, close to 100 dead bodies in various stages of decomposition were found floating in Ganga in Bihar's Baksar and the neighboring Ghazipur, which happens to be in Uttar Pradesh. To tell us more about the incident, Asad Rehman of the Indian Express joined the show. So Asad what do we know so far about the bodies that were found in the Ganga So as per the total number of bodies that have been found in both districts in UP and Bihar are close to 100 is what the officials are saying around 71 bodies were fished out from the river Ganga on Monday in Baksar district of Bihar while 23 bodies were fished out on Monday and Tuesday in Ghazipur district of Uttar Pradesh where these bodies have been found floating in the river ganga and it was after the bihar government informed that bodies had been found in baksar the up government also started a similar drive to look for bodies and then these 23 bodies which is the official number of bodies that have been found in the river ganga the officials are also saying that there's a practice in up and bihar called jalprabha under which people float the bodies in the river ganga and not cremate them like there are some religious trees whose bodies are not supposed to be cremated so they are floated in the river instead so the officials in up are saying that uh, these bodies that have been found could be of people who wanted to do the jal prava and so far no official uh, has confirmed that whether these bodies were covid positive or not and it's triggered a huge amount of fear in the villages along the ganga in both up and bihar because people fear that there may be bodies of people who died of covid and that the infection may spread through the river now asad there seems to be a sort of a blame game going on between the up government and the bihar government uh, regarding these bodies that were found in the river ganga at the border regions of these two states uh, can you tell us more about it after the bodies were found in bihar's baksar the bihar government said that the bodies were coming along the ganga from up because the ganga flows from several districts in up like kanpur prayagraj varanasi chandoli and uh, then gazipur and then goes into baksar in bihar So the Bihar government said that these bodies are coming from UP while the UP government has not denied the claim but has said that nobody can ascertain where these bodies are coming from and that the UP government has said that this is not the time to blame the other government and rather both governments should work in coordination and but also separately and ensure that an investigation is done into why the bodies were found and the UP government also says that they put in strict implementation that no one floats the bodies in the rivers after deaths and that uh, the cremation cost is being taken by the state government in order to stop this practice of jal prava so this is where it is that the up government is saying that there should not be any blame at this point and the bihar government is meanwhile saying that the up is where the bodies are coming from 
So we know that with the massive number of deaths, there has been a dearth of cremation material like wood and even uh, space for burials, right? Uh, even Buxar locals cited this as one of the possible reasons for the bodies being thrown into the river. Now, you said that the UP government officials have said that they will ensure that the practice of river cremations will be forbidden, right? Uh, has there been any other response from the concerned state governments or the centre in this regard? The central government has also taken very serious note of the issues and the Union Jal Shakti Minister Mr. Gajendra Singh Shikhawat on Tuesday said that an investigation is being done in both the states and that it is very unfortunate that the river Ganga is being polluted in this way. And that's the response from the central government, whereas the Bihar government has said that uh, DNA and COVID samples are being collected from these bodies and they are going to be tested to ascertain if these bodies are COVID positive or not and to ascertain identity of the bodies because none of the bodies have been identified till now because they were in such a decomposed and bloated state that they could not be identified and they may have floated in the river for hundreds of kilometers from maybe in UP and that's a possibility. We don't know for certain if that is the case or not, but since the river flows through the states, it could be possible that the bodies have flown from different places in this, in UP and Bihar. And because none of the bodies have been identified yet, so the authorities still don't know as to where they are coming from and who's responsible for putting those bodies in the river. But both the centre and the two state governments have assured that proper investigation will be done into where these are coming from and who the people whose bodies have been found are. Right. So, uh, Asad, another recent event that has made us think about how rural areas are suffering due to the virus were the recent panchayat polls in Uttar Pradesh, right? Um, can you give us a brief overview of how they were conducted in the middle of the second wave of the virus? So the panchayat polls are the rural polls for Uttar Pradesh where like uh, there are different posts which are up for election in the polls. These were elections that were held in four phases and it was a massive exercise because there are around one lakh villages in UP and representatives had to be elected for each gram panchayat, zilla panchayat and different bodies in the district level and at the village level. So it was a huge exercise considering that a majority of Uttar Pradesh is still rural. And uh, these elections were held in four phases and the turnout was also fairly decent, somewhere around 65 to 75% in the four phases. So, and a lot of people have participated in these elections. A lot of officials had to be deployed during ele elections for election duty as invigilators, as returning officers or as observers of the elections. Uh, and a large chunk of uh, these are government school teachers who are posted as polling officers during the panchayat elections. These were held in April and over three weeks and in different phases. And they concluded on April 30th and on May 2nd, the results were announced. So talking about the teachers deployed for polling duty in Uttar Pradesh, uh, there have been many reports of them dying due to COVID. Can you tell us more about this? So in Uttar Pradesh, there have been several deaths of teachers and other polling officials who've been deployed during the panchayat elections. And uh, while the government says that the number of deaths confirmed till now are 77 from 28 districts, and the government has told the Allahabad High Court that they are verifying 
how many deaths have happened in the other districts in up uh, different teachers associations in the state meanwhile have made claims of deaths to the tune of some have said that 500 teachers have died and some have said that 700 teachers have died so these are different teachers associations which have made the claim and the up government has told the alabad high court after the court took cognizance of these deaths that they will be paying the the teachers compensation of rupees 30 the families of the teachers compensation of rupees 30 lakh and uh, the government told the alabad high court on tuesday that they are still verifying the data for the other districts while 77 have been confirmed to have died in 28 districts of the state out of the 75 districts in up now about the compensation asad the alabad high court has asked the state government to rethink the amount that they decided and uh, the court said that it should be at least 1 crore rupees right uh, what exactly has the court said the court has said that the amount decided by the government to compensate the life of loss of bread earners of a family was too less which is rupees 30 lakh and uh, the court has also observed that uh, it was a deliberate act on part of the state government and the state election commission to force these teachers to perform duties during covid pandemic in the absence of rtpcr support right so The Allahabad High Court has also been very actively watching and directing COVID management in the state. Uh, it also pulled up the Election Commission recently for allowing elections not just in UP but also around the country. Um, can you tell us more about the Allahabad High Court's role uh, during the pandemic? The Allahabad High Court, in an order on Monday, also uh, blamed the panchayat elections for the COVID infection. reaching the villages of the state and the alabad high court observed that it is because of the panchayat elections that a large number of people have been infected in villages and rural areas of the state and that the court observed that if the state government is having a difficult time in controlling the spread of the virus in urban areas then it would be very difficult to for the state to carry out tests detect infections and treat population treat people in the villages considering the healthcare infrastructure in the rural parts of the state and uh, the court made this observation while giving anticipatory bail to a person from ghaziabad and uh, also said that because of the panchayat elections and so many firs being lodged during the panchayat elections people who have been made accused and they may already be infected or they may get infected in the prisons and the condition of the prisons is also not very and good at this point so the court has observed that anticipatory bail in this time of crisis and in this time of the pandemic should be given to people because the right to life is more important than uh, the criminal proceedings against people who have been accused in firs the most noticeable observation that the alabad high court while hearing an anticipatory bail application on tuesday was that the election commission the higher courts and the government has failed to fathom the disastrous consequences of permitting elections in few other states and the panchayat elections in uttar pradesh the alabad high court has been hearing a pil since the second wave of the pandemic and has been monitoring and taking stock of a lot of issues that are being faced during the pandemic in up they've been monitoring oxygen support in the state they've taken cognizance of the deaths that that have happened in lucknow and meerut due to oxygen shortages in several hospitals 
and they've been uh, on a very strict note and have taken a very strict tone to the government with regard to covid complications in the state and have given out several orders with detailed instructions to the state government and the Allahabad High Court on Tuesday also observed that it was not satisfied with the response that was filed by the state government with regard to its directions and with regard to the information that it had sought. And the High Court has also raised issues with the number of tests in the state gradually decreasing. So in a way, the Allahabad High Court is monitoring the overall situation with regard to COVID and COVID treatment and with regard to other issues related to COVID in the second wave. And they've also appointed judicial nodal officers in every district of the state. And on Tuesday, they've also ordered that a public grievance committees have to be formed in all 75 districts of the state, which will be headed by a judicial official. And these committees will comprise three members. One will be a judicial official, one will be an administrative official, and the another will be a medical official. So you can say that the Allahabad High Court has been closely monitoring the overall COVID situation in the state and has been giving out detailed instructions and has been seeking answers from the state government regarding the pandemic. And finally, coming to the letter from the opposition leaders to the Prime Minister. The leaders of 12 opposition parties have written a letter to the Prime Minister Narendra Modi demanding free vaccination against coronavirus and the suspension of Central Vista project, among other things. Pointing out that the COVID-19 pandemic has assumed unprecedented dimensions of a human catastrophe, the opposition leaders called upon the Prime Minister to use the allocated money for the Central Vista construction for procuring oxygen and vaccines instead. Among other suggestions, they also asked the Prime Minister to provide food grains to the needy as well as 6,000 rupees per month to the unemployed. In addition, they demanded a repeal of the three central farm laws, which they claimed would help protect lakhs of annadatas or food growers from becoming victims of the pandemic. Without going into all the quote-unquote acts of commission and omission by the central government that have brought the country to such a tragic pass, the opposition leaders demanded that some measures suggested by them must be undertaken on a war footing. They asked the government to procure vaccines centrally from all the available sources, global and domestic. They also demanded that the central government immediately begin a free universal mass vaccination campaign across the country. The leaders also said that the government should invoke compulsory licensing to expand domestic vaccine production and spend the budgetary allocation of 35,000 crore rupees for the vaccines. The signatories to the joint letter include Congress President Sonia Gandhi, former Prime Minister and JDS leader H.D. Devi Gorda and NCP Supremo Sharad Pawar. Other leaders include Chief Minister Uddhav Thakre, Mamta Banerjee and Jharkhand Chief Minister Hemant Sorain. Former Chief Ministers Farooq Abdullah and Akhilesh Yadav from the Samajwadi Party have also signed the letter alongside Tejasvi Yadav of the RJD, D. Raja of the CPI and Sitaram Yachuri from the CPIM. You were listening to Three Things by the Indian Express. Today's show was written and produced by me, Snigda Sharma, and was edited and mixed by Suresh Pawar. You can follow us and leave us feedback on Facebook or Twitter at Express Podcasts or send us an email at podcasts at indianexpress.com. And if you like this show, please do subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts from so more people can find us. 
You can also look for us in the audio section in the top right corner of our website, indianexpress.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.